0: Welcome to the debut episode of the Helium Boys podcast, a serious non-serious USC podcast. And I know you're thinking, Chris, hey, I've listened to Helium Boy podcast before. I've listened to you and Shotgun go toe to toe with each other. But yes, you have. But this is a special new podcast that we're doing because all of those before were unofficial podcasts. This is the official Helium Boys podcast, and Shotgun will back me up. He said, Chris. I want to do a podcast with you this season. And I equal parts humbled and flattered at that suggestion. I was like, yes, let's reunite. Let's do our own podcast for the season and let's get it going. You've heard us in an airport at 3 a.m. in the morning. You've heard us (laughs) literally on the road back to Corvallis with an Uber driver we just met, a.k.a. Ryan. We've done podcasts everywhere and anywhere. But now we're officially coming together for our own sort of podcast. And yes, if you were a fan of the Family Feud, this podcast, RIP to the Family Feud, by the way. This podcast is going to try to capture those magical moments we had on the Family Feud with this new podcast and Helium Boys, a serious, non-serious UC podcast. So, Shotgun, if you could get in here, stop letting me t- hog all the, the talking time. I- I'm just
1: excited that Chris is going, going that's like a, a full minute right there of Chris talking by himself to start out the podcast. I think that's a great start. To where this Helium Boys podcast is heading this year, Chris. Um, but I do have a question. If this is the debut, you know, all those previous. Iterations are are we backdating those as like, you know, negative one episode, uh, episode one is negative two? Uh, you know, how do how do we log those or are we just cataloging those as like it was this is a spinoff? You know, is this like the TV show? This is a spinoff, and we don't really include what happened before. You know, a little bit about the past, but now the characters kind of go in a different direction.
0: I feel like I sort of backed us up into a corner, episode one, two minutes in. I put us in a corner and I put us (laughs) in this box, but that's okay. I'm just going to go ahead and say they're not canon. They're not canon. Anything you've heard on those podcasts does not exist in the world of this USC podcast. They have recast both of us for this podcast. We are the same people, but also different people. So those podcasts do not exist. This is episode one, point one. This is fresh. This is new. Everything else you forget about. This is this is, I'm, official,
1: I'm this is the official, this is the official Boys podcast. Just like Chris, when he finally got official family feud status, but hopefully this is going to last a little bit longer than that. Chris, let's get into it though. Some big news today. You know, we start out we're we're taping this late at night, uh, late at night for me on the East Coast, um, but a big news day for USC. We heard yesterday, started some rumblings, some rumors, AD could be announced soon. USC did a really good job of keeping it pretty secret, but the news comes out today. USC hires Washington's Jennifer Cohen, first female athletic director in USC history, the 10th athletic director overall. She's a SoCal native. She you know, has plenty of roots in the PAC 12 as well, but what are your initial thoughts on the hire of Jen Cohen at USC?
0: Initially, you know, listening to a press conference, listening to careful talk about or listening to Ryan and triple double shout out to Connor, uh, their incident analysis, you know, all that put together. I think this is a really, really good hire for USC. I mean, there was a lot of names, not a lot of names, but there were some names we we heard floating around throughout this entire process. And, and Jen, Jen Cohen, Jennifer Cohen was someone who was initially on this list as someone USC could target. You know, don't, don't look too far ahead. You know, Washington. Not going to the Big Ten, but hey, USC might be able to poach her away to USC, given her roots. And, you know, she does have an enormous amount of respect for USC being a SoCal native, a San Diego State graduate. So she's been around the West Coast, been around the Pac-12, as you mentioned. So she understands the brand of USC and how important it is to the fabric of college football. And, you know, listening to her, she comes off as super intelligent, very passionate and, you know, You can can tell when when USC fans were, were worrying about this hire or throughout this process, they wanted somebody who was going to take, obviously, football seriously because they're going to the Big Ten. They're going to play big boy football in that conference. And obviously, Jennifer Cohen knows a little bit about college football. She's on the college football playoff committee. And, you know, she has a son who plays college football. I think actually both of her sons play college football. So she is a college football parent, so she understands the importance of college football and the importance of being a student athlete as well in the academics. So overall, I think it's a really, really good hire for USC.
1: Yeah, and for USC football in particular, I mean, a well-rounded candidate in regards to football with the parent background as well. So she talked a little bit about during the press conference of going through that recruiting process and kind of seeing that side of it um, instead of as a parent rather than as an athletic director. So I I think that just gives her that much more insight into it. And she talked, you know, Ryan was the first one to ask a question, asked about NIL and that, and she understands the importance of NIL in the, uh, you know, current landscape of college athletics. I thought this quote was pretty interesting from her when she was hired. She said, leading USC athletics is not just an opportunity of a lifetime. It is a responsibility of a lifetime I will lead with integrity and with character and with heart, and I will lead with passion in a way that will be embarrassing sometimes on the sidelines. And she went on to say, I get a little fired up during games and during all competitions. Now, for USC fans, that might have been a little bit of a trigger word there embarrassing athletic director, sidelines. Maybe Pat Hayden running down to the sideline to talk to the referees. Let's hope Jen Cohen's not necessarily doing that. Uh, but, you know, just, you know, from everyone that I've talked to, you know, that has worked with her in the past from, you know, you, uh, at the University of Washington, I've heard nothing but positive things. I've heard her called, you know, saying she's incredible. I've heard her called a rock star. Um, you know, I, I asked a couple of student athletes, former student athletes from Washington and they, were, they lit up about it too, you know, said she was phenomenal, um, so showed how much she cared for student athletes, provided them everything they needed. I mean, those are things that you hear and you go, you know, your eyes light up if you're a fan of a, uh, an athletic program because it shows you this person is going to fight for the athletic program to get what it needs to try to win championships. And now Washington is not a, you know, a school that wins national championships like USC does. But now with the resources, the recruiting grounds, and if you have someone as passionate as she is, I think you add those those things together and suddenly, you know, the the athletic program could take another leap forward. And I think they've done a ton of great things under Mike Bone, but I think there's still more that can be done. And, you know, Jane Cohen has shown she can fundraise. She did that at at Washington. Um, You know, she's shown that she is invested in football Yeah, she made the Jimmy Lake hire, but she also was like, this ain't working. We're getting out of this. Um, You know, so those type of things show me. And then she made a great hire in Kalen DeBoer, it looks like, uh, from the initial results there, the Pac-12 Coach of the Year last year. So, you know, I I think also you saw – The trajectory at Washington, if you look through her entire career at Washington, you go, okay, you see where there's mistakes. And the next time she has an opportunity, she gets better from it. So a lot of things on there just really stood out. uh, You know, when I started talking with people, um, you know, about their experiences with her, it really popped even more than, you know, what I'd read on paper and what you kind of know from her track record in that regard.
0: And I just want to say, you know, people point to the the Jimmy Lake hire. I do want to say the Jimmy Lake hire on paper at the time made a lot of sense. That yeah. just made like that was an easy hire for her to make. You know, he was well respected defensive coordinator under Chris Peterson. It just made sense for him to move into that role. So I'm not gonna like knock her for that, but you're right. She was quick to to pull the trigger and say, Hey, this isn't working, so we're gonna move ahead and move in a different direction. And then, you know, she nailed it with uh Kaylin DeBoer. So yeah, she does. Tomorrow, she said, is her first official day. <laughs> that was USC. also a she little watched, bit stunning. She, yeah, she was just going right into it, hit the ground running, and she does walk into a very interesting situation. Just in terms of, I think she's in a obviously in a really good place with a lot of USC's coaches that are already in place. You know, with Lincoln Riley, Andy Enfield, uh, Lindsey Gottlieb, uh, Andy Stankowitz. You know, there they're, some of their bigger name coaches are all doing really well so you know it's not like she has a a toothache to pull out of usc's Mm -hmm. coaching uh right now it's also game week this is the first week of usc football so (laughs) she's got to get you know got to geared up for that going into that she's got to meet a lot of people shake a lot of hands and then obviously they have a pretty big project that has been uh unveiled in the new football facility that she has to kind of get going on you know they don't have a budget. They don't have a timeline in place, and those are kind of two big projects she really needs to get her hands on. And then on top of that, you have the the Big Ten conference and moving into that in just over a little less than a year from now. So a lot of things on her plate, but it does help that she has some good coaches already in place for her when she walks on campus officially tomorrow. Yeah,
1: she's not walking into a hornet's nest of everyone wants somebody fired, you know, similar to what my bone walked into. Um, and I think that made this job a lot more desirable is like, Hey, you've got your football coach. You know, that's the key. That's the linchpin in the athletic department. Pretty much at every school across the country in division one is all right. If you've got the football coach, is he on the hot seat? You know, where, what's the contract at? All that type of stuff. He's locked up. And, you know, from what we were told is it's a, you know i was told a 10 year deal when it was first hired so he's locked up for several years now maybe maybe you know contract extensions all that type of stuff but that may even still be a year or two away before you're worrying about any of that type of stuff and maybe that's after a college football playoff run or whatever may happen this season and you're going into you're coming into a situation where it's not like Caleb Williams just left and there's a lot of question marks with the football program and if they struggle all right now you know where are you at it's all expectations are pointed up at USC right now, especially with the football program, with the basketball program, with the baseball program, with the women's basketball program. And then you talk about some of the other programs that have been you know, super successful, um, you, you know, the water polos, the tennis, uh, you know, those coaches have been locked up in recent years too. Dane uh, you know, at the, the beach volleyball has been so uh, phenomenal for them. Some positive things with the women's volleyball program. So, I, you know, the athletic program and it's in a whole has been on an upward trajectory the last few years. And she steps in at a time. Now there's going to be challenges, especially the big 10 move and figuring out all those things. But also, this is someone who had the foresight uh, or I don't know if it's foresight, but had the wherewithal to realize a way to jump on the ship even if it's at a little bit lesser pay uh, than USC and UCLA were getting at Washington to make sure they were going to get a cut of the action too, and make sure they were getting taken as the PAC 12 kind of dissolved over that, you know, four day period is what she called it. You know, it wasn't like a long drawn out thing, a courtship. It was, you know, four days of of trying to figure out, all right, can we get to the big 10 and can we make it happen? So, you know, showing, The she has the poll. She understands all that type stuff, and you know this was somebody who was quoted. You know, after USC and UCLA left, that she was disappointed in you know the move uh, of USC and UCLA, but. Now she's excited about it. You know, those those chips have come around and, uh, you know, she won the big hand and now she's going to be the athletic director at USC. So expecting big things there. Like you said, there's big projects to be done. Obviously the football um, facility that's being put in, which will require some drastic changes to the baseball stadium as well. There's also the potential of USC facilities being used for the Olympics coming up. So there's a lot of things that are on the plate going forward But like you said, very good spot to come in at as far as where the athletic programs are at right now. And I also thought there was one other person that spoke about her. Now, I don't know if you had a chance to catch the Trojans live, uh, Chris, but Lincoln Riley said, uh, he was quoted saying, I'm friends with several of the people that have worked with her and couldn't have come more highly recommended. Not just what she's done, but how she's done it. I'm looking forward. He said he's looking forward to building this partnership. I thought that was an interesting word to, choice to use there as well. Um, so, you know, Lincoln Riley sounded super excited about it as well, and it didn't sound like it was just, you know, oh, yeah, this is good. I, I hope it's, it's going to work type of uh you know coach speak. You know, it sounded like he was really excited about it as well. And his eyes kind of lit up talking about it. So uh and, you know of Riley's it's interesting when Lincoln Riley gets excited about something you can tell. I I I think you would agree with that, Chris. Like when he starts talking about a player that's really showing out in practice or something, like his eyes do light up a little bit. So when when he was talking about Jen Cohen, I, I thought it was interesting that, that that happened a little bit too.
0: I do like that about Lincoln Riley as a coach. You can tell when he's being genuine and he's excited about something like you said. So that that makes it more fun as a reporter to cover him instead of, you know, you get a coach or assistant coach who's just straight-laced the whole time and you can't understand anything they're saying cuz it's all coach speaking. <laughs> you can't you can't glean anything from what they're saying. But yes, it is it is is a good trait that Lincoln Riley has and you're able to tell when he's being genuine and excited and yes, he did come off as Very excited about this hire for USC. And also, you're right. It is a partnership because you're Lincoln freaking Riley. You know, you have the the sway and the cachet to make a lot of calls around USC and with the athletic department. You're one of the five best coaches in college football right now. So, yes, he, he is Lincoln Riley. It is a partnership working with that athletic director because he brings in a lot of money for this university.
1: And if you have the right athletic director and you get along with them, I mean, it's the same thing with a head coach and assistant coach. It's kind of that same dynamic. If you have the right mesh, then you can build so much more, you know, instead of if you're battling with it. I just read a story about uh, Virginia Tech, just, just random. Uh, I think it was the ESPN story. It was really well done about why Justin Fuente didn't work there. Because I I remember when Justin Fuente went from Memphis to Virginia Tech, I thought, this was going to be a pretty good hire and rigitech Tech could continue mm-hmm. on. I was high on Justin Fuente and there were quotes in there about how he, he just never had a chance, you know, because the person that was ahead of the the football liaison or whatever it is from the athletic department was a former um, uh, Frank Beamer assistant or worked with, the, with Frank Disciple. Beamers yeah, and so it was his way, and that's the way it needed to be. And juststa Quinte was trying to change things and update things and it just wasn't working. so if you but if you get that mesh together, okay, we're on the same path. All right, let me fight for you. And then you can, I'll get you the resources you need for this. All right, this is what we really need. Hey, we don't really need that. We would like to have it. That's not necessarily what we have to have. So you figure out exactly those things. um, And then, you know, that way your athletic director knows when to fight for you, when to, okay, let's back off of something, those type of things. And then if you have that cohesion, you can get so much more done. It's the same with any kind of work relationship. But, you know, if it is a true partnership, you know they could take this program back to the heyday that it you know that it needs to be at honestly for usc and lincoln riley's hire obviously made that uh, possible and now jen cohen comes in i think she can help elevate both the football program and all the other programs even more
0: you take all the names out of that spiel you just said uh, i feel like maybe you're talking about us shotgun and could this be. podcast could Especially be here. could be you gotta, if just,
1: you're a listener, you got to be you got to stick around to find out. We'll see if this uh, just, this partnership works.
0: One more thing I wanted to add before I move out of here or we move out of this topic was was Jen Cohen the number one choice for USC? That I cannot fully answer, but I did hear from sources, you know, that USC did make plays for a couple other athletic directors across the nation. I reported in the war room that they made a run at TCU's Jeremiah Donati. I believe that's how you say it. They made a run for him. And then I also heard that they had made a run for Texas AD Chris Del Conte, which are, you know, two really big swings for USC. And if you look, some of the headlines out of their those organizations, both of those guys just got extensions. So that usually is a sign that you know, somebody was poking around, sniffing around, trying to maybe poach somebody. So was Jen Cohen the number one choice for them? I can't really say for sure. My sources say they did make some plays for some other people across the country. But overall, I still think uh, Jennifer Cohen is a really great hire for USC, and I think it's going to be a good partnership moving forward.
1: Yeah, we'll see uh, how it goes. And uh, she gets to jump right into the job and right into game week. You no, know, Normally, she'd have at least a week of... Uh you know just kind of prepping now that the classes have started but no we got a week 0 game this week chris you know are you excited to get off to the the, the official kickoff of college football will be usc you know they get things uh you know started this week one of about is the five six games that are going on this weekend so uh you know usc is going to get to be you know the, one of the prime teams that people are watching this weekend
0: that is not true because it is on the Pac 12 network. You forgot about that. So no one is going to be able to watch I'm it. I'm in that New Jersey.
1: Said, I'm in New Jersey and I get the Pac 12 network. At least seven more people in this country can see it.
0: What do you care, Shock? And you're gonna be here. It does not matter. <laughs> it does not matter for you. You that point makes no I'll, sense. I'll put I'll put up a on the screen
1: on the side of my house and everyone can come over and watch it.
0: Sure. Do that and see how you like it. All those people, <laughs> shotgun loves people coming to his house. I know he'll love that, but yes, it is. I'm just so excited. Not just like I'm not a USC fan, obviously, but I'm a reporter and I just I'm so ready to cover football again. I'm so done with covering camps and practices. I just want to ask questions that have like tangible, I can have tangible answers. You know, stop being hypothetical about stuff like, oh, what if this person starts? No, I want to see who. Scores in the first game. I want to see how the defense plays. I want to see how the defensive line. I just want to see it all and just you know get it going and be able to ask new questions at camp. It's been a really long off season for everybody, so really excited to just actually cover a college football game on Saturday.
1: Yeah, it should be fun. uh You know, it starts the the hecticness that is this season with two buys and gets things going. I mean, for me, I feel like I've been on the road for most of this month uh for the last month so i'm i'm excited for it because it's actually the the uh, the conclusion for my current travels of this month. Uh, and then I'll have three or four weeks off before I see you again, Chris. So, um, you know, I got to get out for the opener. Want to see the new guys. Want to see, you know, what guys look like in uniforms. Want to see if there's any adjustments to the uniforms. Could there be any sneak attacks? You know, last year we got, you know, the new Fight On logo kind of on the helmet. You know, you're looking at all those small details on the first opening game. You just kind of want to see who's excited, how everyone's playing, and if you can route somebody, you want to see those second-string guys, those third-string guys. You want to see the position battle. There's so much in the opener to freshman. kind of glean from it. Freshman, freshman. Yes, freshmen. You got to see those. You got to see if Relique Brown drops a Heisman pose, that type of thing. You know, how many of those freshman wide receivers are going to, to play? I have a feeling one of them is going to get in the end zone in this game. I'm going to go ahead and call that. I just want to, Chris, if you need a bold prediction, one of those freshman receivers will score against San Jose State. I'm calling it out, just throwing it out there because I'm super hyped on this wide receiver group in general, but especially that freshman class. Um, so, you know, there's so many new guys that I want to see. I want to see, okay, well, all right, those new guys came in. Now who's who stepped up their game? Who else besides Solomon Bird is going to be a dude because they said, oh, you brought in somebody to replace me. I better get to work. Um, you know which of those guys have done that. You know that's the, those are the type of things that I want to see in, in the opening week. And also, you know, the first the season opener almost always you're going to see a little bit more guys play than maybe you would if this was week seven. Just because hey, there's still position battles that are being kind of figured out, and we're going to give guys an opportunity. There's going to be some rotations. So I'm always looking like you know the second drive who's out there, the third drives or someone new out there. All those rotations and uh, you know I guess I'm I'll be Xing about them now. Is that how we say it? I th- I'm still calling
0: it. I'm tweet. saying yeah, I'm still I will maybe I'll throw up the X every time <laughs> I, I get a fire tweet out. Maybe I'll do that visual bit for everyone. I'm throwing up the X right now. Yeah, maybe I'll throw up the X when I get a fire tweet out there. But yeah, I'm still calling it Twitter. That that's all like that's all I'm gonna do. And it's just been such a long, long off season, like I said. But the expectations for this USC team are so high for, for 2023, and we just get to see how that those expectations and you know the defense being crapped on all offseason, how that kind of manifests in the first game of the season. Let's, let's go out there and see, are they going to drop 60 on San Jose State and the defense is going to have four defensive touchdowns? They had three last season over against Rice. So, yeah, and that's actually, I think that's the first time we've mentioned the actual name of the opponent they're playing this week, San Jose State. I think I State. mentioned it. I mentioned it. Maybe I, I maybe I missed it. But yeah, San Jose State, which I expect them to give a much better test than Rice did last year, because Rice was kind of god awful, you know, coming to this game. I mean, that was the first game of the season, but yeah, won four games last year. San Jose is a little bit better, playing in the Mountain West. You know, they won seven games last year. They won a conference championship in twenty twenty, so they, they've got some. They're they're much. They're a healthier program Than Rice was going to this game, so I expect them to be a little bit more formidable than uh, the Owls were in 2022.
1: But go back to 2021. I mean, USC plays San Jose State now. Let's take it with a grain of salt that it was a Clay Helton opener, and it was kind of the you know constant, constant platform, constant theme that would happen in openers. USC was up 13-7 going into the fourth quarter. Now they pulled away and won thirty to seven, uh, and that I think they had a pick six in that one. There was a big, there was a turnover at some point that helped change that one a little bit too. Um, but and that was kind of like last year. Your USC at halftime wasn't up that much against Rice, and then the second half they just put it on Rice. You, you know those pick sixes started coming one after another after another. Uh, it felt like I guess they were up thirty-one to fourteen, so a little bit more than I thought. But but still, the difference. go ahead but but still yeah 3114 is much different than you know the 13 to 7 going into the fourth quarter or Western Michigan, USC, I think it was leading by six points going into the fourth quarter. You know, it just seemed like that was constantly the case with Clay Hilton teams. But that San Jose State team actually was coming off a Mountain West title, um, it was returning their quarterback, was like a fifth-year guy or six year guy with COVID. So a little bit different opponent in San Jose State this year. But I, I agree with you, they are a more formidable opponent than Rice was last year.
0: And the difference between last year's opener and a Clay Hilton opener is because you always think until that final buzzer that they could absolutely lose this game. There are moments in a Clay Heldon <laughs> opener where you're thinking, if they don't get this score right now, they're going to give them the ball back and they're going to go down and tie this game up. That's how you always felt covering a Clay Heldon season opener. But I never felt that USC was going to lose against Rice last year. There was no point, I felt. no. If that was a Clay helton late team, I was going be, okay. Maybe. They would have been up two touchdowns in the fourth quarter and you've been like, okay, things are getting a little sticky right now. But yeah, that's the difference in the 180 flip and covering, you know, last season's home opener to many Clay Helton openers we've covered. There is always the threat of them losing that game. Yeah, I last guess, year the uh, biggest a lesser opponent.
1: Yeah, last year the big threat was not, okay, is Rice gonna are they really gonna get back in this game? It was are they going to score enough to to really be able to throw those second teamers in there for a four fourth quarter or, you know, cause you want to get those guys. We've talked about a lot in the past, but and you want to get that experience for those guys. Those, those game reps are super valuable and so you get a guy like Miller Moss who gets a full fourth quarter in that Rice game and he gets to throw some passes rather than, Hey, there's five minutes left. We're just going to run the ball. That's it. We're not going to do anything else. Um, so he gets to throw some passes. Now he's not taking a ton of deep shots or anything like that, but gets the ball out to Relique Brown. We get to see what Relique can do. You know, all those type things that you want to see in an opener. And that's what you hope for USC, um, you know, with the expectations and the aspirations they have this season, they need to be able to do that again. And they need to be able to do that for, 2024 as well. And maybe in 2025, like you got to get Miller Moss more reps this year. If he's going to be, end up being the guy next year, or if it's going to be Malachi Nelson, either way, those guys need more reps this year. So that they're prepared to come in and like, you don't have growing pains because you don't have time to have growing pains next year. If if you don't remember, USC is going to open with LSU in 2024, in Las Vegas, so you don't have time to be like, all right, we got rights and we didn't play so well. They were hanging with us until the fourth quarter and then we pulled away. You don't have time for that. So you need to get as many reps as possible for Miller Moss for the next season. And that's the type of thinking that Lincoln Riley has. So he's always thinking way ahead on these type of things. So I'm sure he's going to be thinking about that as well. You know, I, I expect there'll be not necessarily a gadget play, but he's like, all right, I got a couple of plays that are, potential touchdown plays. And we're going to call up one or two of those early because we want to go ahead and put our foot on the, on the gas and, you know, not necessarily save a bunch of plays for the Utah game and the Notre Dame play game like that, because you want to go ahead and get that action for your backup quarterback because God forbid something happens to Caleb Williams and gets injured and is out for a couple games, you know, then you need Milan Moss even sooner, uh, but you definitely will need him or Malachi Nelson uh, next year when Caleb Williams is gone. So I, I think Liga is probably already thinking about those things as well.
0: Yeah, I think going into this game, I think the expectation is, is that Caleb Williams maybe plays two drives in the third quarter, and then the rest is going to be Miller Moss. Miller Moss has to start that entire fourth quarter and the majority of the third quarter. That's this type of game. USC should be up that much going into halftime. And yeah, they don't really need... Yeah, there might be a couple, maybe a gadget player or two to really kind of take the top off and get that extra big play going and really get all the momentum. But USC is just a better team. They have bigger athletes, better athletes. This should be a game where they just run through San Jose State. And by halftime, you're already thinking about, okay, what's that uh, second team O-line going to look like? Are we going to see Alani Noah, Miller Moss? You know, a little more Jacoby Lane action, more Deuce Robinson? That's what you should be thinking in the second half for this weekend. So... You know, my expectation is that USC is going to put a hurting on the Spartans in the first half, and they're going to get those guys a lot of playing time in the second Miller led by Miller Moss in the second in the second half.
1: Now, that's what you want to see for USC. That's what they the expectation is. But let's not forget. A, two, a bad Tulane team a few years back hung with Lincoln Riley's team. Now, that's the difference is they have Spencer Rattler as quarterback starting for him. I believe it was Spencer Rattler instead of Caleb Williams. So, and Caleb Williams came in for a couple, you know, a few snaps in that game. But, um, you know, it's not something that, no coach is immune to a team that they weren't expecting to hang with them. Hang with them, so you know they got to actually come out and they got to perform. They got to do all those things. It's not just going to be a cakewalk. I think that's what we're trying to point out with San Jose being a little bit tougher opponent than uh, Rice was last season.
0: Just you know, kind of getting into San Jose State, I did a uh, a quick look, kind of look at uh, the Spartans going into this week. I do that for every week going to the to, into the week. So you can go check that out if you want a more in-detail look at San Jose State. But for the most part, just the quick hits on them. You know, they have a really good quarterback return. They have a really good backfield as well. They're leading rusher and leading passer from a year ago. Their O-line did not do great last season. So this could be (laughs) an area where USC's uh, defensive front could really impose their will. Gave up 42 sacks last season. 42 sacks. That was uh, 119 in the nation. So they were very porous. They returned four of those guys. So maybe you're thinking, okay, maybe they'll give up 35 sacks. But they're hoping they're better just for the experience alone. But we'll see if the returning four starters is a, a good thing. But also a team that gave up 42 sacks, that's always not a great thing. Uh, they lose a lot of defensive talent. So I expect their defense to take a step back. You know, they li- they lose their leading tackler. Kyle Harmon, 102 tackles last season. All-American defensive end Cade Hall. And then Biliama Fihoko, who had 19 tackles for a loss last season. Uh, that was uh, three less than uh, Tuli Pelotu put up last year. And he got drafted by my Dallas Cowboys. So, uh, shout out to uh, to him. But, yeah, they lose a lot of talent on defense. About 22 points per game last season, which was, you know, top 30. So, I think they're going to take a step back in that regard. This is homecoming for a certain former Trojan, Chase Williams, a former starter at safety. He is expected to start for uh, the Spartans. So the return of Chase Williams, an IE native. So that should be interesting to see and see him back on the field in the Coliseum in a different jersey. So that's a that's a little storyline for you for San Jose State. But uh, shotgun, you can uh, jump in at any point What the most interesting thing you think about these uh, San Jose State Spartans.
1: I mean, the thing that stood out from reading your quick look was the offensive line, like you mentioned. And, okay, this is this is great for USC, you know, to see, all right, is that defensive line really legit this year? And the fact that they do have a, a solid quarterback in Cordero, the fact that, you know, expect a, an older guy like him, I think he's a six-year guy, to be able to get rid of the ball quickly, so he's going to make reads pretty quick, um, which – also will give you a chance to, to get some, you know, he's probably going to make some quick throws and, you know, maybe he makes a mistake here or there. Uh, that's kind of what run. happened. He can run as well. But the, I thought it was interesting. Lincoln Riley was talking about their their defensive line, their pass rush. And he's kind of mentioned some similar things throughout uh, the, the, the spring and also the fall. But talked about how now last year if they were to get a big play from their defensive line, it was someone just one-on-one-on-one. And by someone, we mostly mean Tully below 2 One on one on one. And just beat this guy and got there. Lincoln Riley said now it's less of that and more of they can actually push the pocket and collapse the pocket on the quarterback. And you know, that changes everything because like like Caleb Williams, if someone gets beat one on one, Caleb Williams is gonna get by the first defender. What 85% of the time? Being realistic, that's probably true. If it's a one-on-one, he sees the defender coming, he's gonna get by that guy just because he knows the space in the pocket and all those type of things. But if you push the entire pocket back into his lap and someone wins their battle, you know, the quarterback's gonna be uncomfortable and he's gonna have nowhere to go. You can't step up, you can't get outside, those type of things. So, can this defensive line look legit in week one? If they don't look legit, then there's big concerns for me. They should be able to come in and with the extra depth, the extra bodies, the extra power. uh, I'm trying to find uh, uh, Lincoln Riley mentioned it. He said more size, more power, and more depth about the defensive line. If you have those three things, they should be able to run over an offensive line. that's basically that was terrible last year and it's basically all the same guys. Now they're going to get a little bit better. But USC should have gotten a lot better. They should be able to run through this defensive line or offensive line, excuse me, of San Jose State and create havoc in the backfield. So there should be probably ten tackles for loss, if not more, in some form or fashion. Five six sacks would not be surprising to me. Um, And it'll be interesting to see if Alex Grinch kind of you know opens up the playbook at all or plays it pretty base. I I think they can play it pretty base and just you know be vanilla. Not give anything away on the defense side because, you know, they should be just be able to win those battles up front. So that's the biggest thing to me. And that's also going to be cool to see Chase Williams back. You know, Chase is one of our guys, you know, was always great with us, um, you know, back from his days at Roosevelt all the way through his USC time. So it would be fun to see him back out there. Hopefully, uh, we get the chance to see him and chat with him for a second before the game as well. Um, just because he's a good dude and, you know, it's, it, it, he was in a position where. He was a starter and the coaches were basically like, yeah, we need to move on uh, and go somewhere else. And so he went to San Jose state where he could still start. And I think he was injured a little bit last year, but you know, it should be starting coming into this game. So hopefully he's healthy coming into this week as well.
0: Yeah, I, I think just going to chase. Yeah. He was always great to us. Always a, a really good kid, you know, obviously it didn't kind of work out for him here, but I was happy that he was able to land somewhere and still play, you know, high level football and, yeah, I'm excited to see what he does, and he's gonna be a starter. But I think uh those wide receivers are gonna make him and that Spartan secondary life hell. Uh <laughs> they got a bit tall task in covering uh Caleb Williams, a Heisman winner, and then all that talent they have in the wide receiver core. And the secondary is actually one of the the strengths of this San Jose State team, and we'll see how that they'll be saying that after this game, because a lot of weapons are gonna be thrown at them for this game. Relique Brown, Zach Branch, Juice Robinson, Dorrit Singer just goes on and on. So I think Chase Williams and his uh, his secondary teammates are in for kind of a long afternoon there.
1: And the crazy thing is Chase Williams won't have like a bunch of advanced knowledge on these receivers because right. so many guys are are new in the last two years that you know he'll know Taj Washington. Um, and does anybody Maybe else? Mike Jack? Mike Jack? Maybe. I,
0: Maybe Mike, I Jack? Mike. Jack. I think
1: Mike Jack as well. Mike Jack, so. I think. You know, two or three guys at max, Uh, you know, just a ton of guys. There's been a ton of over turnover on that uh, at that position. And, you know, it's a very deep and talented group uh, this year. So I'm looking forward to seeing who's going to be number wide receiver number one. Who's going to come out of that first game with the most yards or the most targets? You know, how many of those young guys do they get in there? What does Zach Branch do? Just what does he do? I know he's going to do something. What does he do? Um, and, you know, how do they use Relique Brown? How do they find touches for Relique Brown and Mario Williams and Taj Washington and Zach Branch all in that slot position? All these things are going to be super interesting to me. And, you know, there's guys that we that keep not being talked about in the media, you know, like Brendan Rice and Taj Washington. It's just like they're they're givens, it feels like. But those guys could be the guy that, that leads USC throughout. I don't think Dorian Singer's even got that much pub throughout this season or this fall camp. So I'm just curious to see what the wide receiver group looks like, how they mix and match. Do we see a lot of line changes? Hey, four out, four in, three out, three in, or is it just kind of piecemeal? Does it go back to the days of Steve Sarkeesian, Juju Smith-Schuster, where Juju never left the field, neither did Darius Rogers, Or are you trying to mix and match a bunch of guys? um, Or is it just when you get tired? You know, Mario Williams basically only came out last year when he got tired. Jordan Addison only came out when he got tired, when they would run a deep route. They put their hand up, someone else go in for a couple plays. Now, with as many weapons as you have, are you trying to, okay, let's get three new guys in there. Um, you know, after a first down or something like that. I, I'm I'm curious to see how they kind of attack that and how do you use that depth that you have because it can be a gift and a curse, you know, trying to keep everybody happy when you have a, a ton of talented people in
0: the same room. Scotty, this is the first episode of this venture we're doing. Are we doing score predictions, game predictions? Are we doing that?
1: I'm not a big score prediction person, but... It's it's you you got first run of the USC show is going to win. Yeah, um, you, I, I, I go ahead. You got first run of the show. You got the first crack at the rundown. So I'm going to leave it to you and then we'll see if we make adjustments next
0: week. Well, I feel like we're going to be asked for score predictions, so might as well just start getting into the flow of it. <laughs> and so I'm just going to say make a score prediction. I can go first if that's... Uh, are we going to start coming. right
1: now? We're going to wait till the end of the podcast. That's the end of the podcast topic, Chris.
0: Is that the end of the podcast topic? Okay, I, it's been so long, you know, that I've ever given a score prediction on a podcast. <laughs> so, sure, at the end of the show... All right, now we'll i got time to think back. about it. Okay. Now that that is out of the way, is there anything else you want to talk about San Jose State? Or are you ready to move on to a old and familiar topic? Let's do it. Let's do it. He is referring to stock up, stock down, and yes, maybe stock neutral. I don't want to get into it right now. Don't. I'm not. I don't have any stock neutral for this. week. I don't want to get into it. It's the first week we have a lot to talk about. It. I don't want to get into it right.
1: now. now let's not so, start me on a rant already. You know, let's let's uh, let's try to keep this rolling.
0: We're just doing straight stock up, stock down. I will probably have some stock neutrals at some point in honor of Keeley, R.I.P. She is not dead. I'm just referring to her on this show. <laughs> So just keeping it simple, stock up, stop down. I don't remember how to do this shotgun. You can go first with the ups.
1: All right, we'll we'll start with my first stock up. Uh, I think you just got to go with today's news. Athletic director, you know USC getting Jim Cohen. I think it's a home run higher. Uh, and from everyone that I've talked to, they're really excited uh, that and thinks USC got a a big win in this in this higher cycle of getting Jen Cohen and we'll see see where it goes from here but uh, you know everyone seems to be excited for USC for this hire and you know both football and other programs throughout the the athletic department I think will benefit from her being the the athletic director hire
0: yeah I sort of had uh, stock up on poaching season just because you Good know felt. you're pulling off a poacher you know if you want a your big time college program College athletic Department, you gotta poach. You gotta bring the best talent. So you poach Jen Cohen from Washington, then keeping off the same trails, you 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 poach Lincoln Riley. So it's been good poaching season for USC. USC fans hope that carries over into the recruiting world for this season. I got stock up on USC's return game. USC obviously struggled in Wait, that regard. Did they have
1: one of those last year?
0: Yeah, I'm just buying stock now. It was very <laughs> low last year. So I'm just going to buy the stock now because all those weapons Demani Jackson, Zach Branch, Relique Brown, Taj Washington, Jordan Singer, Malik, M- Malachi Lemon, excuse me. There are so McKay many. Makai Lemon. Lemon. What did I say? Malachi Nelson. Malachi, you,
1: you put the Los Alamitos duo together.
0: Yeah, Malachi Lemon together. and
1: Makai Nelson.
0: You got me straightened out, shotgun. That's what you do but just so many young, talented, potential returners that I can't see how you can't be better than you were last year. And I talked to Kyle McDonald about it uh, early in the week. He seemed genuinely very excited about the guys he has for his return unit. So I'm going stock up on the return guys. And I'm hoping there's a big play this weekend.
1: I mean, it has to be stock up uh, on that group. After the two lane performance, like it has to only go up from there. Like you can't catch the ball on the one yard line and fumble it out of bounds. You can't, you know, you can't call for the fair catch and fumble it inside your five. Like those things can't happen again. Like those, those mistakes, those things have to be cleaned up. That's, you know, and they have exciting playmakers, but you got to do the little steps first. And that's going to be the big question for their special teams, you know, because they don't have a true special teams coordinator. And I put that in air quotes because, obviously, Ryan uh, Ryan Darty is the, the guy that's the, the focus it, – it, that's his focus. But he's not an on-field coach, uh, so, you know, it's not quite the same. So, you know, since they don't have that air quote special team coordinator, can you clean up those small things while – it's a bunch of position coaches doing small pieces of the, you know, the special teams battles and stuff. So uh, that'll be an interesting one for sure. And something to keep an eye on to see if they, all right, are they making strides there after that was something that was an issue last year? I mean, that's, that's what you want to see that first week is the things that were an issue last year. Are you making strides and getting better? Do they tackle well? Now they tackled well, the first half of the season. Let's not put that. Let's not forget that people. Everyone talks about how terrible their tackling was last year. They tackled well, the first half of the season, Then they got hurt and they had no one, they had no depth, so they couldn't play anybody else. So you got linebackers trying to tackle people with clubs for half the season. Let's not forget all those things, but let's skip over that. Stock up on position battles. And this goes right back to my last comment about not having depth. Now you do have depth. There's more position battles this fall. There's more unknowns, especially with Lincoln Riley not allowing us to watch a ton of practice. So there's a lot of things that are going to be exciting to see on Saturday. Who takes the field beside Kalen Bullock? Who takes the field in front of Kalen Bullock beside Mason Cobb? You know, and some some injuries may play into that as well. Um, But I, I think there's a lot of fun things to look for with the position battles and position battles. You know it's the iron sharpens iron. You know, are you getting better from the competition at practice? Whether it's the guy beside you, you know, in the in your position room, or the guy across from you on the you know the opposite uh, portion of the uh, the offense or defense. So I, I think all those things USC is better at, and because they have more depth, so stock up on position battles this year.
0: You'll learn that shotgun loves to do the big theme and i like to go very hyper specific with mine so you do either you one name a... i know i know but i'm just saying you tend to lean more towards the uh, the big picture kind of thing and i do kind of the, the 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 micro you do the the macro i think i said that right yep. uh, but anyway mine kind of talks to that i had stock up on mason murphy i think mason murphy has really come on the last couple weeks here and he's really pushing michael tarquin for that right tackle job so much so that i think we're going to see A lot of them in this first game, I think where they're going to be kind of in a rotation, kind of like Portland Ford and Bobby Haskins were last season. I think we're going to see Mason Murphy get some looks with that first team unit out there against, you know, live bullets of San Jose State's defense. And I think they're going to give him a real look there working with the first team in an actual game. So I expect to see a lot of Mason Murphy. You know, he played a lot last season, you know, got his first starts both at right and left tackle fell off a little bit at the end of the season that consistency really dropped off but he was, we got to remember he was a young player and I think he's growing with and you know you talk, spoke about you know bringing in guys to force more competition they brought in Michael Tarquin and Mason Murphy's like hey I got to step my game up they got a veteran coming from Florida I got to step my game up so Mason Murphy I think he's a really talented offensive lineman I think he's matured a lot and I think we're going to see a new player in 2023 so I got stock up on Mason Murphy excited to see what he can do on Saturday
1: Yeah, and Mason Murphy is one of those guys that doesn't have a ton of experience just in general, not just in college, but doesn't have a ton of football experience. He started playing a little bit later than everybody else, and he just turned 20 years old, so he's still relatively young as well. Um, you know, especially in the age of holdbacks and everything else. So he's a kid that could still develop and could become much, much better. He's got all the attributes. So it's it's very interesting that he's a guy that has taken a step forward the last couple of weeks from the sounds of it. Again, don't get to watch everything with our own eyes. So, you know, we have to take the word of the coaches and, you know, try to sift and filter out what we think is the, the truth versus a little bit. Um, I, I think it's interesting that you brought up the – Analogy of last year with Cortland Ford and Bobby Haskin, because very similar, Bobby Haskin's the transfer, he's coming in. Okay, they're going to start Bobby. They wouldn't have brought this transfer in not to start him. Cortland Ford wins the job opening day and also was starting in week two against Stanford. And injury is actually what changed the trajectory of that that uh, position battle. So, you know, whoever does lose this battle, I expect we'll still see playing time, whether it just be in a rotation you often have those offensive line injuries. So it's great to have three, three guards, three tackles at least. And then, you know, you got to have a, a true backup center that you can throw in there. And that's probably the most important one if you lose um uh, there. But you know, I expect that, you know, since you mentioned it, that that's a very good, it could be an uh, very analogous to last season with Cortland Ford and Bobby Haskins, where you think, okay, Michael Tarquin started in the SEC. He's definitely coming in the start, but if the 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 young buck shows himself, you know maybe he wins the position battle or just straight out and he ends up starting. That'll be that'll be a fun one to watch. I've got stock up on the other side. I don't know do you have Something else to add there?
0: Oh, I was going to say just remember how you know Jonah Monheim got his first taste of playing time and he struggled a lot. He had a really yep. up and down, and then that paid off down the line. And now he's. You know the starting left tackle and you know, potentially an all-American and all Pac-12 kind of guy. So sometimes you need to take those lumps, is what I'm saying. So
1: yeah, he, he got whipped a couple times, his for you know, his uh, first or second year, well, his first year playing, uh, first year starting, and they said, All right, you're out. There's a couple times he just got yanked from games. Now you don't see that very often with offensive linemen, that they just get replaced mid-game. And that happened to Jonah Monheim, grew from it. He grew from it, and that's why he's on my stock up as well. He's a guy that you know, when I'd heard early in the summer, they're looking at Jonah Monheim at left tackle. This could be happening. So would you go, okay, that's not going to be his position at the next level. But we said that about Elijah Vera Tucker. Look how good Elijah Vera Tucker was at left tackle for USC. And I think Jonah Monheim could have a similar trajectory as Elijah Vera Tucker as a guy who, you know, Elijah Vera Tucker, we thought, was really good as a young buck and just needed playing time and needed that experience and never got it, unfortunately. But then when he did get in, you know, showed that he was a dude. I think Jonah Monheim, you know, he's going to be the anchor for that offensive line. And you got to be excited, you know, for Caleb Williams to have your best offensive lineman as your left tackle instead of last year when you did have Cortland Ford and Mason Murphy, or excuse me, Cortland Ford and Bobby Haskins battling. It's your fifth and sixth best offensive lineman that are the guys that are protecting your blind side. So I think that's definitely a change there. Number one versus five, six, you know, that's a, that's a definitely a drastic jump for Caleb Williams. So I think that makes him feel a little bit more comfortable as well.
0: Uh, One of my last stocks up stock ups is Zion branch. You know, Mm -hmm. this is a guy I was really high on last year. in that small freshman class, unfortunately did have the knee injury in the summer was not able to see him. He's worked so hard to come back. He's having a really good fall camp was the standout of that first scrimmage they had with the pick six and forced a fumble. He could be a guy who's a difference maker, but obviously the thing he lacks right now is not talent. It's not size. It's not speed. It's just playing time. He is never played in a college game. So I expect to see him out there on Saturday. And I think he's a guy who can be a starter down the line, kind of mature into that role. Once he gets playing time, once he gets his uh, feet wet and able to, you know, get out there and face some live bullets in a real game. So Zion Branch, supremely talented at safety, and he is an athletic specimen. And that's somebody they need in that secondary to make tackles, cover bigger, fast, tight ends. Zion Branch can do it all. So I expect to see him grow into the rotation and maybe even grow into a starter by the end of the year. So I got stock up on Zion Branch. He's having a really good ball camp and looks completely healed from that knee injury last year.
1: Yeah, and this is something actually Lincoln Riley has talked about as well is that, you know, there's a few spots where guys have separated themselves, but there's a few where multiple people are going to play, and who starts may still be even determined this week uh, at practice. But he said that you're probably going to see more guys emerge throughout the season, especially with young guys. You know, as they get their feet wet a little bit, those that freshman class. He's super excited about the freshman class and having a full class and being able to, you know, project a little bit and see those guys grow. He's super excited about that. But he said they'll be able to gain steam as as the season progresses. He said, how many times have you seen freshmen? you know, become guys at the end of the year when they didn't really do anything early in the season. And, you know, they finally figured it out and kind of do that. And I think Zion Brench is a great example of someone who could do that shined early in camp. Um, you, you know, and I think it, it's also interesting to note who shines early in camp versus who shines late in camp. Late in camp is all, all obviously much better. Because sometimes you sign early in camp and then your teammates go, all right, I figured out something against them. And then you have to start catching up. And then you, you can see that swing uh, of the pendulum a little bit for some players. So you hear there's some players that were talked about a lot early in camp. There's some players that have been talked out about throughout camp. And I think Zion Branch is one of those guys. My last stock up is Trench Tradition. Chris, you said i got to go macro, so here we go. Yeah, We're getting macro, some depth baby. back here for USC. It's been a long time since USC's had the depth of the offensive line where they could run eight to ten guys out there and feel uh, confident about it. Not necessarily there yet, but getting closer and closer, and especially with that freshman class. I know they're super excited about those guys. Alani Noah is probably the one guy that's kind of shined the most. He's already getting some second-team reps there. But on the defensive line as well, I don't think USC's had a defensive lineman drafted in the first – or I think Tuley was the first one drafted in the first two rounds since uh, Leonard Williams. I'm not including Uchenna Nwosu because he's yeah. a stand-up okay. linebacker. So um, But I think he was the first one in the first two rounds since 2014 when Leonard Williams was drafted. I believe that's the year. Don't quote me on that one. But starting to get those guys back to where it's not, okay, you had Tuley. And you had nobody else. You had a converted middle linebacker from high school. You had Tyrone Tulane, who's a 27 year old who's you know is a converted rugby player. Basically, um, you know you just didn't have those guys. Now you have you know a former five star and Anthony Lucas on the defensive line somewhere, somewhere on the defensive line. Rush in defensive end, still to be determined. Another thing I'm looking forward to seeing. You got Bear Alexander, a guy who had truly two sacks in the in the NCAA uh, in the championship game of the college football playoff. One sack and one was called a tackle for loss because I think they said their quarterback was running. It was a sack. Two sacks in the championship game. I know it was a blowout, but that's still something super impressive for any freshman. So, you know, he's come in. He's going to be a dude. He's going to elevate that defensive line as well. And you add guys like Jack Sullivan that are kind of under the radar. I feel like we've talked about him a lot on the site. I don't know how much every other site has but they're just, he's just a productive guy he's a nick figueroa of this line i don't want to make a comparison just cuz he's a white dude but he's an older veteran that's just going to produce and do the right thing so then yeah keon Bars too, and i think he may end up being the key to this front seven because he's the guy that can become even better and the coaches are pushing for that they're, they they're saying we got to figure out how we can get the most out of keon you know they're saying we're challenging keon to get better that's rarely something you're doing with a, you know, a fifth, sixth year guy, but I think he could be the key because he can be the guy that locks down the middle and allows everyone else to play a little bit more freely. And if that happens, now you use the athleticism of Barry Alexander uh, in in the interior. Now you use the speed, the freakish length of Anthony Lucas that everybody talks about. You know his teammates just go, "That dude's a freak." When your teammates say that about you, that really stands out to me. When it's other defensive linemen, when it's the guys you're facing, they're like, "That dude's a freak." Now they don't say they don't follow it up with like he's a technician and everything else. That's the work to be done for Anthony Lucas. But they say that guy's a freak, and so uh, you know when those guys get freed up in a one-on-one matchup, suddenly now you you got some opportunities to really do something, and I think Keon Bars can do that. So he may go. The stat line may not show it, but he may be the key to this front seven this season.
0: Let's put our Helium Boys podcast car in a different gear and go to stock down shotgun. I'm just going to do my two quick ones. I don't really do well at stock down so i just got <laughs> two right now i just want to say they will be better throughout the season because we'll actually get to watch real football and have things to that we can move up and down so mine are kind of a uh, a macro in a sense not a micro i'm going the shotgun route but first one stock down on football camp highlights there's no hype videos they have mm. done none yeah. all of camp i just want to know i don't know if anyone's noticed but i've been noticing there haven't been any. So stock down on those bad boys. I don't think we're ever going to see those ever again uh, out of camp. And just camp in general, stock down. Like I mentioned earlier, I'm tired of covering the same practices and asking the same questions. I'm ready to cover a game. So stock down on camp. It's over. Now the season is here. So that's what my <laughs> stock downs are. Um,
1: I've got a sad stock down. Oh, no. Chris, uh, you were the one that, that kind of broke the news on the on the, the peristyle, but Solomon Tully-Alapupu um, being out seems like a serious injury. Um, you can add to this if you want, but just the fact that this kid has worked so hard and for him to be injured once again just is, is super disappointing, um, especially with everything he's done to be on the field. The way he looks so much different this year you know, taking two as a defensive lineman, um, and and that's super sad. Now, granted, it is a positive for USC that they have the depth now. That that's not something that's just going to be like, "woe is me." Where are we going to go from here? Um, whereas last year, if someone would have had that happened to someone, you would have been like, "Do they even have anyone else to put in there?" Type of thing. But definitely, stock down to see Solomon Tulia go down for with another injury.
0: Yeah, just just terrible. And you know, he was primed for a big season as a rotational piece for this this team based on you know he had a really good spring camp really showed out in the spring game and you know a lot of people were were hyping him up and saying he was really doing a really good job and obviously I didn't think he was going to start or anything but I think he was going to be one of those first guys off the bench and with his motor and you know his violence I think he was going to be able to get in the backfield and really help this team so and just you know the injuries he's, he's, he has gone through in his career. It's, it's just terrible, but you know, he, that guy's the definition of fight on. So I don't, I don't think he's that guy's going to be successful in whatever he does, because he will always get back up. He will always get back up no matter what, you know, knocks him down. And that's kind of the attitude he has. So yeah, just a very terrible thing to happen. And, you know, I wish him all the best and, you know, expect to see him, still see him around obviously and be a big uh, supporter for this defense and this team.
1: And we'll be interested to in see if he petitions the uh, NCA for an extra year of eligibility and if uh, the USC coaching staff is behind him doing that, too, um, if he tries to come back for an extra year. But we'll see how that happens. A little bit more positive note for a stock down. And I don't mean to piggyback these um, with Solomon Tuli Alipupu because that wasn't my thought when I was writing this out. But stock down on gasping any time the trainer takes the field. Because there's more death now, you don't feel like, all right, if someone's down and whether it's just, hey, they're cramping or whatever, you go, oh no, if that guy goes down, what is this team going to do? You know, oh no, if Shane Lee's hurt and out, what are they going to do? <clears throat> Eric injury went down with an ankle injury. There's nobody else left on the linebacker group, you know, that is going to be a playmaker. So those type of things, I don't think you're going to have ha- happen. Have happened. Uh, if you're USC fans this year, you know, if someone does go down and the trainer has to come out. You're not going to be like, oh no, who is it? Well, is, is this going to derail the entire season or an, an entire position group because of all the added depth? I thought USC, I give them a ton of credit, the coaching staff, of doing a great job of attacking their areas of weakness through the transfer portal and as well as that freshman class that came in. I think all the newcomers that came in, they really
0: addressed areas of need with, uh, you know, really well this offseason. I will say, I still think people will be gasping if an offensive lineman goes down. They're still kind of thin there. They need some of those freshmen to kind of step up and be ready at some point. So you really don't want to have an early season injury and you hope you can build some of those guys up. Elijah Page, Alani Noah, you know, Gino Quinones, get those guys more experienced and ready if something happens, especially a tackle. You know, they're a little shaky depth wise, but they got some really promising freshmen, especially Elijah Page and Alani Noah, who have. You know, moved up to that second team and have been practicing there uh pretty much all of fall camp. You know, Elijah obviously being an early enrollee, he has that advantage. But you know, you want to see those guys get some experience and just in case somebody does goes down. I'm they they're still gonna be gasping at if an offensive lineman has a trainer come out.
1: Valid point, and you saw the drop off when Andrew Voorhees got hurt. You saw the drop-off when Brent Nilon got hurt. Um, you know, and now granted those guys were all Americans and you're gonna have a drop-off, but How wide is that disparity of your drop-off? That's the difference in an Alabama uh, or an Ohio State winning with a third-string quarterback type of thing. Like that's the difference um, in a championship-caliber team versus a team that is eleven and one, and then a couple injuries hit at the wrong time, uh, and you know they they weren't able to have the depth to have someone else step up and really make some plays. And my final stock down is going to go over to the to the hardwood. I'm going to call it the stock down on the hoops law. Uh, just because there's not as much hoopla when Bronny James is not involved, so we'll see if he's able to come back. Working on some stuff on that, trying to get some more information to see where he's at and what all is going on there. But we're wishing for him the best as well. Obviously, a scary situation for USC basketball for second year in the row. But we did get to see them a little bit in you know playing in Greece and playing in Croatia, some exhibitions. And, boy, they look fun. I'm just going to say that. I know we're going to talk about football day to day, but, you know, it looks fun. Isaiah Carr is the real deal.
0: Stock down on the world's greatest basketball beat writer, Shotgun Spratling. I call you the world's greatest. You don't even go to Greece. You don't literally oh, go across oh, the globe. I, I tried. I tried.
1: You know, there was a lot of stuff that was planned in August, you know, with the area code games that I go to every year in San Diego for college, for high school baseball with fall camp and all these things. I was like, if my roommate will go, then I'll go, but I couldn't get anybody to go with me. So therefore, I had to decide, had to decline. Especially with the Bronny James news coming out, there's just a little bit less interest, and it was little, little bit less likely that I was going to be able to get Ryan to foot the bill. It was about a twelve percent chance. Uh, so you know that, was, that slimmed down to about three, three point one.
0: You didn't invite him. Ryan loves traveling if, if it wasn't during fall camp boat. there
1: might have been a possibility but you know we have to have uh, podcasts and stuff and i don't know how much we would have been able to get all the you know i don't know what the wi-fi situation was going to be and all those things to be able to to do a podcast for you guys and whatnot so wasn't able to go i'm disappointed as well i wanted to go to croatia i wanted to go to greece i haven't been, even been to europe chris i
0: thought you've been to europe
1: I haven't but, but you know I, but, when usc ahead. starts playing the big 10 matchups in london who knows you know the notre dame matchup in ireland could be USC one year. Not in the Big Ten. Oh,
0: you you've been to Africa.
1: I've been to, been to been to Africa, been to Asia, but have not been in South America. Have not been to Europe.
0: Okay, well, we'll get more into Shotguns World travels, <laughs> uh after this break. That concludes stock up, stock down, stock neutral to come in uh, no. future episodes. No, okay. Well, well, we'll discuss this after the break, but. <laughs> Going into the break, when we come back, we're going to have a live discussion about the top 30 most important Trojans. We have take it or leave it. We have some questions. And then, you know, kind of the score prediction we talked about earlier in this show. So we'll be right back after this quick commercial break. Shotgun, I just realized this, but we both don't have any sleeves. Oh, I did, I realized this earlier. This is the Suns yeah. Out Guns Out show this at is night. The suns Out Guns Out show
1: <laughs> at night. It's a good thing suns this is, out, this out, gun is gun only show. being. Uh, an
0: audio recording you know we don't want to scare everyone away visual bits visual bits yeah so yeah i mean this is suns out guns out responsibly thinking about skin skin health we're not <laughs> we're not worried about any of that so yeah suns out guns out episode shotgun let's talk about chris before we get
1: into our next topics i did want to say i was reached out by a couple more sources on jen cohen just want to go ahead and say what was said loved her she's the best a game changer was one one quote i got um and another one said that no doubt she you know It was about USC baseball, actually, that she's going to take care of the USC baseball program as well. No doubt that will be one of her main focuses given the history of that program. So positive news for the USC baseball program when Jane Cohen came in. Uh, She made a great hire with Jason Kelly up there at at Washington. Also under her watch, Washington made their, I believe it was their first College World Series in 2016. 18? I'm terrible with knowing what year is what year. Uh, But uh, a a few years back, they made their first College World Series, at least a long time, if not ever. Um, So, you know, that program has really thrived underneath her as well. So, you know, USC Baseball, I think, you know, she's going to give the resources and whatnot there. So exciting times for the USC Baseball program as well.
0: Well, for right now, we have a tried and true staple of our podcast, which are questions. Uh, So we have a couple of those, and then we have our infamous take it or leave it and then we got to give a score prediction to get out of here with all right sounds like
1: a plan let's jump into these
0: questions
1: let's start with with mike o'connor who's at coding in japan who says what's the latest on makai lemon
0: kai lemon obviously was banged up in spring camp so lincoln riley is like he didn't get spring essentially he's like he's a summer enrollee freshman didn't get didn't get any of that playing time in spring and he's doing really well and i think it was Presented to him as a question was, is he forgotten? And he kind of like took a little bit of offense to that. He's like, no, he has not forgotten in this group. He's doing well. You know, he's he's working with the returners. I think he's going to be a gunner on the special teams. he I saw him working with the first team and that kind of fits. You know, he played cornerback in high school as well as being a, a, a top end wide receiver. So He's a dog. He'll get after it. He'll make tackles. Some even thought he'd be a quarterback in college. So I think he's going to find a role, especially on special teams to find special teams early in his USC career. And, you know, he's a talented receiver and he he could get some, some run and the rotation during the, during the year, but it's a deep room, but I think special team is where he's going to make his bread early on.
1: Yeah. And special teams, those reps are, I think, super important for young guys because then you just, you, you understand the speed of the game so much better. Um, and It helps you out when you finally do get your chance to get in there. Michael Jackson's another guy. When he got his opportunity, was felt like he was already up to speed because he had played on special teams and stuff previously. Ethan Static asked, I'll take this one, how excited are you guys for USC basketball, especially after their European tour? The team in my eyes looks fast and physical, and that was without Vince Iwachukwu. Chris, I don't know. Did you get a chance to check any of the the Euro uh,
0: tour out? saw some clips. I didn't get to see any of the full games or whatever. Whatever, but I saw everyone was kind of buzzing, but obviously about Collier and Kobe Johnson, and you know how how good this team looks early on. But again, it is kind of preseason, uh, so it's easy to get carried away with you know the preseason love. But obviously, you're the world's greatest basketball beat writer, so this question is more for you.
1: Yeah, they look, they looked fun. That was that was the thing. Um, look fun. I was, That's
0: great. That's a great way. To there's it.
1: there's a lot of things they can prove on. There were some turnovers and stuff, you know. But Isaiah Carter just changed the dy- dynamic, and Boogie Ellis looked phenomenal shooting as an off guard and a guy that know. can bring the ball up when you want him to. When Isaiah Collier's not in there, but when they play together, it was so different because in the in the final game, Andy Enfield actually split them up. So you kind of want – I think he was kind of messing with the lineups. Let me see what I got here, what I got here. And he would play – five. basically, there were 10-minute quarters, FIBA rules. So they would play five minutes with Isaiah Collier and then the final five minutes with Boogie Ellis. And kind of, you know, those guys would be the lead guard kind of leading the way. It got to the fourth quarter and the game was close. And I think it was about eight minutes left, other than one possession like the second quarter. They put those two guys together and immediately USC took off. And I think that kind of shows the dynamic those two guys have together. Now, there are two more pieces that USC could add, and that are the two guys that have had hard issues the last two seasons. Vince Wichuku did not play, did not take the – I don't believe he took the trip with USC. He's been dealing with a back issue, uh, which always is kind of a concern, especially for big men. You don't know what exactly that's going to do, You know when it's going to heal – When you're going to take an elbow to the back or a forearm to the back, you know will that upset something? So I'm always scared, I would guess would be the right word, when a big man has a back injury. So hopefully he gets over that and gets back full health because he's a guy that needed playing time on this tour. He's a guy that needs to be in the Drew League. He's a guy that just needs reps, 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 as many reps as he can get. Um, to continue to get better because he's just got raw talent, raw athleticism, but he's got to you know, be able to develop and build on that stuff as well. He's got a great-looking shot, but he needs more reps, more reps. And the other guy is Ronnie James, obviously. So, you know, if they add those two guys, I think you're looking at a team that could be, you know, besides could make a run – but they're gonna be really fun to watch. So you gotta come out to the Galen Center and watch this team. I think that with Isaiah Collier, you're not gonna want to miss this. He's gonna be, I think, one of the top point guards in the NBA eventually. May take a couple of years for that to happen. But he is just his is the way he reads defense and like you know, as he has mentioned on in, in an interview previously, that he was a safety in high school uh for football. So he knew how to read you know, quarterback's eyes and that type of thing and was reading the offense. Now he's reading defenses as a point guard and it kind of translate and he's, he's a bully. He gets wherever he wants, whenever he wants um, and gets to the line. he, I think he was, fouled, he was fouled the most of any USC player by a wide margin. So he draws a ton of fouls, so he's going to get USC in the bonus. Now if they can knock those free throws down like they did last year, that was something they didn't do great on the European tour, but that, those type of things will get cleaned up. But, yeah, definitely excited to go see this team. I think they're going to be fun. And they're going to play in some fun venues. The fact they're going to play in Vegas twice, you know, against Gonzaga – the day after the Pac-12 football championship, they're going to open the season in Vegas. Those are going to be fun environments. I think they're going to Auburn. That's going to be a fun, fun one as well. I might try to get down for that one. That would be a fun little matchup. But yeah, it should be a fun team and a lot of potential for sure. Ethan also asked later, what's your guys' favorite story or narrative that has come out of USC's USC's
0: fall camp and why? Probably the fact that Tackett Curtis might actually be a superhuman person. <laughs> <laughs> the destroyer. Just... Yeah, I mean, we, have, we, we had uh, Triple Double wanted him to do this story where we asked everybody what's their breakout player, what have you. Like, just ask, like, 20 different players what their breakout player. And, like, 90% of the answers that have come back have been Tackett Curtis. They've been Tackett Curtis, Tackett Curtis across the board. So just the fact that Tackett Curtis has just been like the hype continues to build and I'm worried it's reaching a point where it can never match what the (laughs) hype is. But I mean, we're just, we're just there, you know, we're just at that point.
1: Not just a destroyer of running backs and blocks, but a destroyer of story ideas, you know, just
0: ruins our story idea that we had. Absolutely. Um, Uh, uh, Editor's biggest nightmare. (laughs)
1: My favorite story or narrative has just been the competition, the the position battles, the fact that they're still going on and the depth that they have that it's they're really good position battles so that's been been more fun cuz that creates, you know, the intrigue going into the opening game as well. Uh Jesus wanted to know who will be the top 3 leading
0: receivers and rushers. Uh I think that one pretty easy at least for me i think it's dorian singer taj washington and brendan rice in some order that's not in a straight order but in rushers i think it's marshawn lloyd austin jones and then i would go quentin joiner i think quentin joiner is going to steal some rushing opportunities as long as his path protection works out you know no blocky no rocky but i think quentin joiner has the opportunity to, to steal some runs as well i think it's interesting how easy you found that to be how easy
1: you found it to leave Mario Williams off the list. Who is the receiver with the that was most targeted by Caleb Williams that is returning? So I think he's going to be one of the top three. Now, I don't know who to leave off. That's the hard part. Um, I, I guess I would leave off Taj Washington, even though he's just been consistently going to give you a 700-yard Taj Washington
0: was the second leading receiver last year.
1: I know, and he's just sneaky good like that. Um, I, maybe it's it's out of those four, and whichever one doesn't get hurt. How about that? Uh, the one that gets hurt is the guy I leave off. Um, I'm, I'll be as a cop out for sure. I think the three leading rushers is interesting because you know who the top two are going to be, barring injury. But could the third one be Relique Brown? That's that's, that's who a good I'm going to point there. there. So, okay. I, even though you know, we don't know how much he's going to get back there, but you know, could it be I would love for it to be Darwin Barlow as well because he's a great kid. You know, he's always fun to talk to his, his kind of meager voice. And just when you can see him on the field, he runs, makes a run like that uh, or meek voice, not a meager voice, meek voice, quiet. And then he does not run like that at all. Like UCLA found out for sure when he checked into that game last year. And he also said From "Hamhawks." Yeah, you got the Hamhawks for sure. Chris got, Chris is excited about those. And then Jesus uh, also asked, and for you, Shotgun is Stanky. That'd be Andy Stank was done adding pieces, or are there players expected to join the USC baseball team in the winter? No, they're done. They were done when they got Brock Blatter, the Alabama transfer, who originally is from Montana, who's a big-time pickup, big-time arm, uh, could has big-time potential. They got a Got to work it a little bit raw, from what I've been told. Just because he pitched in Montana, so not the best competition. Went to the SEC, got a little bit of action early in the season, but then just was not, uh, you know, in their ro- in their mix of uh, pitching options for them. So that's part of the reason why he transferred. Um, but could be a guy that would be a weekend starter for him, so that was a big pickup for him. Uh, so I think he, he was kind of the last piece that they were adding. They were looking at Mason Neville, who ended up committing to Oregon. Um, but USC did not have a ton of scholarship money or roster spots going into this offseason, so they were not going to be you know big time movers and shakers on the transfer market. So they are they're pretty set where they are right now. Judy Madden want to know. If you got dinner with five Trojans, current or former, who would they be and why? Let's slim that down to maybe three, Chris. So we don't. Well, I got my five because I've been thinking no, about sorry, it. Oh, sorry.
0: Sorry. Uh, I'm going to slim mine down three then. Oh, that's fine. I would do Justin Dietrich, Nick Figueroa, Cooper Lovelace because he's so entertaining, Matt Leonard, and Lendel White. Lendell White because he just started <laughs> following me on Twitter. So, yeah. And I think he's got some great stories. Obviously, Matt and them would have some great stories about that, those heydays. And then Justin Zedich, Nick Figueroa, and Cooper Lovelace, all really great talkers. And I think it'd be a great conversation at dinner.
1: All right. Since you want mostly current guys, maybe I will go to five. I'm going to start with um, John Wayne. We're going to get John Wayne on there. I didn't have okay. to say they had to be living. Just said current you didn't. or former. You didn't. Um, so we're going to go with John Wayne. We're going to then add in Sam Bam Cunningham. Just, you know, great story. Um, then I think we're going to throw in Tony Baselli because I want to hear what his thoughts on uh, Michael Tarquin marrying his daughter. want want to hear that okay. story. Uh, plus first-round pick. I mean, number one overall pick. You know, can't can't go wrong there. Love offensive linemen, chatting with them. Very tempted to go with Anthony Munoz, baseball player and top uh, offensive lineman. Uh, So I think I'm going to throw him in there. And then the fifth one is tough. I think I'm going to go with kind of off the wall. I'm going to go with Tony Burnett, who's one of my favorite interview subjects, former USC linebacker slash safety slash cornerback, who also ran track for USC. Just a good dude. Uh, I love chatting with him every time uh, that I see him on the sideline and whatnot. So I'm going to throw TB, my guy TB in there as well. Um, I did a story one, uh, about him doing two sports and what he was going through each day to try to do that, uh, was one of my favorite stories that I've done. So throw him in as my fifth guy, Samuel SC Trojan, Sam, Sam, we really appreciate you always listening and, and you know sending us questions. He's, uh, he's, uh, excited that healing boys are back together, who gets the first sack and who records the first turnover for USC on Saturday.
0: I will say Keon Bars gets the first sack for the Trojans and then turnover. Let's go see a right. I'll go see a right. Interesting. And I'm
1: going to go with uh, Jamil Muhammad is going to get there. It's going to be a strip sack that Mason Cobb oh. is actually going to recover. So I'm going to get a two for one. Okay. There you go. Aaron Domingo there wanted you know. to know coach Domingo 10 and we'll answer this one, Chris, just because. Edric Houston is going to commit before uh, you guys record your next two-star composite. He says, do we have a shot for Houston?
0: I mean, technically, you have a hat on the table, so you have a shot. But I'm going to say a realistic shot. I will say no. At Buford High School, who I was just down the
1: street from, uh, spent the weekend in Georgia. So I would have probably stopped by there if USC had a little bit better shot for him. Um, but they won their opener with Dylan Raiola as the quarterback, and it was like 14-3 to 3 or something. It was very low scoring for them. They beat uh, St. Francis. Oh, yeah, uh, and there and a was a brawl team. after the I game. I saw that. That's right. That. It was, wasn't it very low scoring, though? Am I correct on that one? 18, 18 nothing. 18, 18 no, okay Okay. Um, and then our final question, I believe, here, um, or two more, actually. One about baseball. Noah or Noe. Uh, how is Noe, Chris? How do you pronounce Noe? Noe, <laughs> because there's there's Noah Noah Noe Ramirez, who is a pitcher from Cal State Fullerton, who's in the big leagues. I can never remember how to pronounce it. Uh, apologize, Noe G, uh, for not pronouncing it correctly if we effed it up. But Helen Boy's question: Just listen to the Mookie Betts interview with Corbin Carroll, that's an LA Dodger with an Arizona Diamondback. Now I have not heard this interview, so I cannot fully comment on that. But I'm going to go and trust that Noe is telling us the truth. Carroll explained that USC was his dream school. He is a legacy and says he didn't get much interest from USC. Mm. So to go to that, to go back on the backstory of Corbin Carroll's uh, recruiting, I feel like Gerard Martinez here giving you the back end scoop of things. Um, He actually was a UCLA commit. Now never made it to UCLA because he's a first round pick, but, You know, UCLA, he was interesting because UCLA actually thought they would get him because he's a shorter guy, um, you know, just didn't have a ton of pop coming out of high school. He was speed, outfielder, you know, potential four-tool guy without the power. The power has obviously come, so they thought they had a good chance of potentially getting him, but then he just went off his senior year. But he went to UCLA, he was committed to UCLA, and there was questions like, all right, is he actually going to make it to campus? And that's the thing that USC has struggled with. Um, And he, you know, Noe actually asked, I'm a big USC, uh, a big baseball fan. It seems like USC baseball is always missing out on guys like Jock Peterson and Roddy Telez, two former USC commits. They're obviously in the big leagues. Corbin Carroll would have probably been another one of those guys who, even if he committed to USC, was not going to end up at USC. So I don't think there's a huge loss there. He also asked, how's your outlook on USC baseball-looking shotgun? I think we mentioned before the Jane Cohen information I think is a positive or higher is, is a positive for USC baseball. And I'm really up on uh, on what this staff has done so far. I've been super impressed with what they did with the limited talent they had last year You know, and the fact that they couldn't just bring in a Caleb Williams from the transfer portal. That wasn't possible for baseball when the time they were hired. So they got the most out of their roster last year, and I think they'll continue to do that, and they've got a lot of nice pieces coming in as well. So I hope that answers your question, Noah, as much as possible. And our final question, Giovanni, want to know if you could choose if you had to choose a company entity for each offensive starter for USC this year. Who would they be? Do we have to do No, I don't, we do every, no, I don't think two? we could
0: do offensive starter. So, like, like an example, was Rice Aroni for like Brandon Rice, obviously. Oh, uh, I see. We're
1: oh, talking of, nil deals.
0: Yeah, kind of, and and like Justin Dietrich for. uh it was a manscape, or because of the stash, the the the, the whole deal with him and his uh, grooming. So that's one. I mean, those are two that he gave as examples for us. Yeah, I can't do all offensive starters, but I think like Taj Washington, you know, being a chef, I'm just picturing him like in the uh, the chef's uniform, you know, with the hat and stuff. Like I don't know for like a uh, kitchen supply store, or like a local <laughs> kitchen supply store. That that's what I'm picturing. You know him running routes with the with, the, with that little like uh, caricature, uh chef's hat on. That's what I'm picturing, at least when it comes with Taj Washington, because he does have obviously a cooking and chef background. So that's what I'm thinking there. I I've got nothing off the top of my head. Um, you know,
1: I, I feel like like Gino Quinones could give you some good Hawaiian sponsorship, like Onos or something. Um, you know, he's terrific talking to, and he's got the accent. So, you know, maybe there. He's not necessarily a starter, but he's a guy. And then anything with manual Pregnant I would buy. I don't care. I just buy it. Whatever it is. If Emmanuel he, Pregnant is it selling is. it, I'm buying it. Because that that man has calf muscle. I mean, he has uh, thigh muscles for his biceps.
0: So, I'm not messing with him. I'll just, sure, I'll buy it. I'll buy it. No problem. I think all the offensive linemen, they showed up in, like, jeans for media day and it's it's a very vibe so i would say like jeans just like jeans in general for the uh for the uh for like big man jeans that's i'm I'm just making a big man jeans and just like picture (laughs) all of them especially a man a man like you said just like just the biggest thighs that you've ever seen so just like them fitting those
1: Jonah Monheim could also get some, uh, you know, if Troy Polamalu could help out a little bit with some head and shoulders. You know, you got the flow going. Looking yeah, good.
0: That, that, that's a great one. Head and shoulders flow.
1: All flow of welcome. So uh, that's that's the options we're going with. Marshawn Lloyd, you got
0: something good for him? I don't really have anything. What's the the, uh, the
1: real estate? Me. Lloyd's of London, is that correct? Lloyd's of London? I have no idea what you're talking
0: about. I do not understand this reference.
1: Insurance company, not real estate. Lloyd's of London is the world's leading insurance market, providing specialist insurance services and to businesses that in over 200 up. countries and territories. Made no, it's it like up. they they insure like the um, like high end stuff. So like paintings and stuff. I don't know. I, I feel like I've heard this before.
0: Anyway, yeah. I, I really roll with that. brown on Lloyd's something. Of really brown on something. I know he's not like technically a starter, but him and zach branch and their speed has to be like something
1: like a speedy go like a a, a gas uh, i mean an oil change place speedy
0: lube yeah that could be that could be a (laughs) that could be a thing we would have to sit down and workshop it with the marketing department but you know just something with speed gotcha all right,
1: we'll quick fire these last two. I didn't realize we had these from your tweet, actually. De La Cruz said, which position group has the potential for the most improvement?
0: Uh, I think it's linebackers. I mean, defensive line obviously had some production last year, but not enough consistency. But the linebackers really stand to to gain with their newfound depth and more talent in this this season.
1: Yeah, I immediately thought a decent line, but you saw me on that. That's, that's linebackers. And then on offensive side, tight ends. Um, Samuel also said, "If you could be any fictional character for a day, who would you be and why?"
0: "James well, Bond, baby." "Just, just give me James Bond, oh, the man. coolest, the coolest man that that lived." "Drinking tequila, I can't shoot tequila, so that'd be a nice change of pace for me." "He doesn't uh, drink
1: tequila; he drinks martinis." It's
0: "Yeah, times. I've seen a, I've seen him drink tequila. There's the one where he's on the beach with the <laughs> with the scorpion, with the scorpion, and he he's, he's like in the beach thing, and he does not The beautiful ladies are on him." Don't so tell me he doesn't shoot tequila. <laughs> the beautiful <laughs> ladies on the beach, the tequila, the
1: scorpion. I I don't think I can beat that. I mainly when I heard fictional character, I thought of animated movies, so I, I got nothing. Um, I don't Here want to be finding Nemo Mouse. or anything. going be Mickey Mouse.
0: <laughs> <me> Mickey Mouse. <laughs> I mean, I'm James Bond and Mickey Mouse. There you go. Doing a podcast together. Yeah, I got nothing. Go. I
1: might I would have to think about that one to come up with a really good answer. You already stole the best one. So all right, that's there it for,
0: for our questions, Chris. Fair enough. It's time to go to a hollowed segment. Take it or leave it. I didn't know if people wanted I didn't know if people wanted me to do fake corporate sponsor. I don't know what the temperature is on that. So I don't have <laughs> one for this week. But if people want it back, I can go back to writing those. It's been a busy week, but let me know what you think. But shotgun. It's you it was usually you and Keely going toe to toe with these, but it's just you. It's all you, you have all the attention. So I got a couple for you, and then I have you know the overtime ones. Uh, so they're not football related. So I just want your thoughts on those. So are you ready for a uh oh take it or leave it? I'm First ready. Let's watch. go. Okay. First one, some of them deal with this weekend. Some of them are big picture kind of deal. So uh, USC scores a defensive touchdown this Saturday, had three last opener against Rice. Do they get one this Saturday?
1: Take it. Yeah, you know, I'm, I'm going to say it. my strip sack from Jamil Muhammad is going to be picked up by Mason Cobb
0: and run back. Okay, okay. There we Why go. not? He, he's going to take it. He's going to take it. That would get the Coliseum going. Uh, a lot of young talent on this team. A shotgun so I'm, I'm asking you there will be multiple freshman all americans this season
1: oh that's a good one chris good you one need
0: le- you mm. need at least two you need at least two to make this hit so what do you are think? we
1: counting all publications or just the real ones
0: i'm counting real realistic publications i'm not i'm not you know, counting the silver diner freshman all American. Not the uh, college teenagers. sports extra limited yeah. dot com. Yeah, not 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 those. They have to be you know, relatively, you know, uh what's the word? Legitistic. Legit, yes.
1: All right. That's, I'm that's, gonna that's, go that's, with leave it then. Ah, okay.
0: Okay. Okay. He's gonna I think you
1: get one. I just think there's I think there's too much quality this year. You okay, get that's... you get more playing time when there's lack of depth. You get
0: thrown in there. Okay. Uh, number three, USC punts at least twice on Saturday. Only punted once last opener. You mm. Got two punts, two punts this weekend. What do you think? I'm going to
1: take it. Okay, because. They just want to see what Eddie's Zapplickie looks like. Okay, they just want to let him go. So for, it's it's a fourth be, uh... and one. They could pick it up if they wanted to, but we're going to punt it. We're going to play it safe today. Let's get Eddie out there. Let's see what Eddie Money can do.
0: Let's see what Eddie Money. We, uh, there is an artist. They got to be Eddie able to Money. punt
1: the ball down into the five or ten yard line so that when Jamil Muhammad gets a strip sack and Mason Cobb picks up the ball, he doesn't have too
0: far to run. Uh, there is an actual uh, – artist that was known as Eddie Money. We need to get a soundbite so we can play that every time. I do know that.
1: That's where it came from.
0: He needs to get it. Uh, Number four, Caleb Williams. 60 total touchdowns in 2023. Had 52 last season.
1: Yeah, so that's his goal that he said that he had. I'm actually going to leave it. I think his Heisman chances could be endangered. By USC's defense. And not because they lose games, and that hurts your Heisman chances, but they actually play well enough that he doesn't play the full game and doesn't rack
0: up as many stats because games aren't as close and they're not as throwing as much. Good point. Good point. Another leave it. I believe you have split 2-2 on your take it and leave it. Uh, This one isn't for Saturday. It's just a general over... View of the season, Reggie Bush gets his number five back in the Coliseum this year. Take it
1: easy win if you're the athletic director. New athletic director. Hey, what's the easiest thing I can do? They cite the fan base. Uh, does it move to the Big Ten? No, it's give Reggie Bush his
0: number, put it back up in the peristyle. Okay, last one this happened uh, last over the weekend, but shotgun. Take it or leave it. Will Farrell is the greatest Hollywood football crossover honor you can have at USC. So does this have to be a USC alum? Is that what we're saying? I'm saying, you know, you're on the football team, you're a student athlete, and Will Farrell comes and talks to you after practice, as they showed on the clip at uh, in the Coliseum over the weekend. I'm I mean, saying that's like, go for it,
1: it. It's a really good one. But if it doesn't have to have that link of USC, you know, the former SID intern, I believe, uh, Will Farrell, If it doesn't have that, then like, you know, George Clooney or Drake coming to your practice. Like, I think those carry alums. To, I, I alums. That's why I asked. I said, does it have to have yeah, the USC I'm saying, connection? I'm
0: saying as a yes, as the USC kind of, family circle because obviously if drake is coming to your practice that's that's different than okay uh, okay you know, one of your own a trojan is coming
1: off the top of my head i mean that's definitely up there i mean there's some other that i'm not thinking of i'm sure but i mean the other one that would stand out but i don't know how much the players would appreciate it as much as will Farrell, but like ryan kugler um sure. or you know, the black panther director i think that one would be awesome but um off the top of my head uh the i'm thinking um musical artist sweetie maybe she comes by players might enjoy that um but yeah i think will farrell's probably up there it's the top one so you're like teething it off the top of my head i'm gonna go with will farrell <laughs> i don't tee things here chris i'm not i'm no okay. keely or all right I'm just thanks, giving you some other options that might thanks also be valued or appreciated by the players. Okay. Okay. That's fine. You're, you're,
0: wor- and working are we also out? saying
1: non athletes,
0: right? Yeah. I'm saying Hollywood. Okay. Football. Yeah. It's, it's kind of the, that cross yeah, it's Hollywood. Gotcha. That's all for my official take it or leave it. It's time for overtime, which are ones if you've never listened to take it or leave it, these are take it or leave It's for, things that have nothing to do really with USC football. I just want shotgun, the opportunity to talk about random things that might make him mad, (laughs) or maybe he has a a specific take on them. So are you ready shotgun to go overtime?
1: I am ready. I want to throw out the, you know, George Lucas or Ron Howard came to practice. That'd be cool too, but not Not necessarily as much, not to to the players. Uh, They don't really know Judd Apatow that well. I'm sure. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe Regina King. It's okay. Yeah, I mean,
0: I don't, I don't think, I don't think George Lucas moving the needle that much uh, for USC's uh, defensive line. I'm just saying that right now. Or the offensive I mean, line. I mean, I would anybody. appreciate LeVar Burton. He's one yeah, of my I favorite. I, I, I know. I Reading mean, Rainbow. But yeah, OG, get it <laughs> together. Uh, overtime, shotgun. I know you don't exactly live in Philly, but you live on that part of the world. Philly cheesesteaks. this take it or leave it. Yeah, let's take it or leave it. Okay. I didn't
1: know if there. we if we were changing segments when you said overtime. Um, no, it's just, I forget. It's just a been, been a long moment. time since we've done this, Chris. Uh, I will take them. They're quality. I don't eat them very often, though,
0: here. I'll be, I have to be honest. Okay. That, that, when we come out for the Rutgers game, you got to take us to get some uh, Philly cheesesteaks.
1: Right? Actually, Panzerati's is what I will take you. That's actually a local delicacy that I – unique food. That I think it's like a uh, golden, deep-fried, large Hot Pocket. It's
0: amazing. Oh, that sounds amazing. That sounds amazing. These two kind of uh, go together, given the uh, the torrential wet weather we had here in California. Uh, shotgun, take it or leave it? Rainy days.
1: Hmm. This is when the tea would normally come in, but leave it because I cover college baseball. Hmm. The only time I want rain is when I'm covering basketball.
0: Okay, there you go. Uh, this one plays into this, like I mentioned. Uh, what people in California were dubbing hurricane for an earthquake that hits during the hurricane, which is actually just a tropical storm, which boiled down to just a lot of wind and wet weather, everyone was fine. But the term hurricane, because a hurricane, or excuse me, a earthquake did hit in the middle of that tropical storm. I mean, it's better than Sharknado, right? I mean, you don't it want, is better you don't than want sharks
1: to be flying through your tornado type of thing, so I'm okay with it. I feel like we could do better. Um, I feel like there's a, a the editor knew a conglomeration editor in you. <laughs> of weather events that could be better. Okay, I, I'll have to think about which one it is. You know, typhoon tornado somehow makes those together. I don't know.
0: And the final one. Because it is ongoing right now, the Little League World Series. I'm leaving it. I used to be a big fan, but I just can't get behind it anymore. Why? I I'm curious. I don't. I don't have a dog in this fight. I, it just. It's not interested in me to
1: you know. It just isn't. It's not very good baseball in that regard. Uh, just <laughs> their children. I'm not a big fan of the estimated. It, if it was 60 foot, then it would actually be. You know, if you just do the distance, then it would be this hard. It's like, well, if you threw a a ball from 3,000 feet and, you know, it was 3,000 miles an hour, then that would be very, very spectacular, right? Or would it be the same? 60 miles an hour from 60 feet, I mean, from 45 feet is not 99 miles an hour from 60 feet.
0: You're telling me you don't love a sporting event where you can have a 12-year-old named Pudge walk up with a mullet and his favorite video game is Sonic and he just drops tanks? (laughs) You're telling me you don't like that? It's fine. But there's
1: been too many kids ruined by it, Chris, from Danny Almonte to um, there's a left-handed kid from the Georgia team that won in 2006 or 7 ish Kyle something. His things didn't go great. For him after when he got like to the college years and stuff, put oh, too much fame on a kid too early. Okay. Daniel Monte
0: and Cow something.
1: Yeah. Something. Monet Davis <laughs> is still doing well. She was at, uh, it was at oh, Davis. yeah. Monet Davis I from, that. or Lewis. I can't remember off the top of my head. That was um, Davis. But she actually, uh, she is at, where is she at? Hampton, I think, as a softball player. So, you know, she's in from the Philadelphia area too. So, Maybe I'll see you around. Who knows? No. All that right. That was a great Tristan. story. Those are that was I'll a great it. story, Chris. I enjoyed that okay. one. But okay.
0: But Little League World Series, just in general, I do not watch any of it. Okay. There you go. Shotguns takes an overtime. And that's all I got for you, Shotgun. Now it's time for Woo, our final made act. You made it. You have one more thing to do, and that's just give me a score prediction. Oh, I hate score predictions.
1: Ah, you're gonna give one too. Don't think you're
0: gonna yeah, have this. Yeah, yeah. Um sun's out, guns out episode. No son. Let's do it. I have my score if you want me to go first. Sure, go for it. 69 17, baby. 69 17.
1: My initial thought was 49 to 14. But okay, I think we're going to get
0: the 50-burger. So I'll go 52-14. Yeah, the
1: 50. to
0: They scored 66 last year. They also so had three I'm pick sixes.
1: I'm, those don't happen.
0: That is that is also very much true. That is also very much true. But I think they'll get the defense back, or the ball will get back to them quicker. And they'll try to score as many points as they can pick in call? the first half to get those guys into in the second half. So, yeah, I'll go with the uh, 69-17. I, I'm okay with it. I'm okay with it.
1: Okay, hey, Chris, okay I'm with okay this. with this episode. I thought it was a good episode. Good start. Good foundation. Hey, we just wanted to come out in the first game. You know, get some time in. Make sure those that reps. we're in sync. Get those reps in, and make sure those we get snaps. the dub. Get and those that's calls. what we did. That's what get we did. Got gets. the dub. Yeah. Now we're gonna move I'm, on. We're gonna go. We'll watch the tape of this at a later date, and so we'll be better next week.
0: You know. Yeah, just without watching the tape, I just want to say I thought our communication was great. Uh, I stumbled <laughs> a little bit on a couple of jokes here and there. I'm not cleaning my transitions, stumbled a little bit with my partner. But, you know, that's what we get back in the lab for, you know, get back here on the practice field, make it happen. Hey, Burr. We're just trying to get 1% better every day. 1% better. Podcast has to be easy. That's why practice is hard. <laughs> <It> Comes easy.
1: <laughs> that's why fall topic. camp has been hard for Chris and lengthy. Now we can get into games and we can build off of this
0: with more games to come. I don't want to buckle under that pressure of that red light in my face. I don't want to buckle. That's why we work so hard. That's why he work so hard.
1: That's all I got for you. That's it. I, I got <laughs> that's that's it. it.
0: Play, play, play Eddie Money's song on the way out. Let's get out of here. <laughs> I'll see you in a couple of days. Next time we talk, we'll have a game under our belt to really dive into and get some real stocks, get some real take it or leave it.
1: Great point. And uh, congratulations to Jennifer Cohen becoming the first female USC athletic director once again. That's going to wrap it up for this edition of the Helium Boys, a serious, non-serious USC podcast with myself shotgun spratling and chris Trevino. we are the helium boys covering usc for uscfootball.com make sure you check out uscfootball.com for more throughout the week we'll have more podcasts more live shows all that good stuff as usc gets ready to face san jose state to open the 2023 season with a heisman trophy winning quarterback and a ton of new faces to gander at um, as we go watch on saturday
0: Shotgun and a visual bit. Flex on them. They can't see it, but flex on them.
1: (laughs) I won't do it, Chris. We're done.